He's the owner of the most educated feet in professional wrestling. Some would call him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the show. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? It's time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. We got the living legend. Thank you. The star <laughs> of the team. An MMA superstar. On behalf of the UFL, the U, the new United Fighting League, Mr. Rampage Jackson. Welcome aboard. Mr. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, sir. Absolute pleasure. Um, Mr. Rampage Jackson. Um, a MMA UFC pride legend. Um, I, I remember uh, remember you most specifically from Pride. Um, those were I, I was working in Japan in pro wrestling at the time, and uh, I've heard of quite a few of your interviews where I think um, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you share the same opinion, but the line between work and um, shoot in Japan is a very blurry line. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was always rumors that um, some of those fights and pride was um, like works and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when when there was Japanese pro wrestlers, there was fighters. I think they was worked. I remember one time um, I had to fight this Korean dude that Sakuraba fought, and Sakuraba knocked him out. and And Sakuraba does not hit hard. You know, I fought Sakuraba. Sakuraba, right. he's a great fighter, but he's, he, you know, you got to worry about getting submitted by that guy, not getting knocked out. And Sakuraba knocked the dude out. And uh, then, you know, I had to fight the guy. I said, man, Sakuraba knocked this dude out. So I'm going to cream this guy. Right. <laughs> I threw everything at that guy, everything. And he had a fucking tough chin. I was like, really? I was like, yeah, his fight with Sakuraba was a work. It had to be. Yeah, that's interesting. That that is really interesting. I, I I think I heard an interview with Edson Inoue. If I if I'm not Edson Inoue, yes, sir. Yeah, where he talked about um, some of the uh, fights where one person knew they were taking a dive and the other one didn't. So it wasn't a work as in like pro wrestling terms where both guys know like hey you know, this is the outcome, but one guy thinks he's, you know, I, I, I believe, yeah, I believe that my first fight in, in Japan, I, you know, those people at Pride, they're mad at me for, for, for being honest and telling this, but right. Uh, only reason why I'm even sharing it because I don't, I don't have any loyalties towards them because they ripped me off my whole career. Oh, wow. And so, you know, so I don't give a fuck. Right. So my first fight in, um, in, in Pride, when I had to fight Sakuraba, it was already like a, a two weeks notice fight. I went, I went to jail trying to leave America to, 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 to get there. So as soon as I got on the airplane leaving Los Angeles, I got arrested at the um, air, airport by the um, airport police because I was a convicted felon, wasn't allowed to leave the, the country. And, um, and, and so I, I get bailed out. Terry Chirbacock from from King the Case bails me out of jail. I get to Japan. Uh, you know, like a, a day two later than I was supposed to get there. Mm-hmm. And they, I was still, I was jet lag and everything, you know. Yeah. yeah. They tell, and pride was no, no weight class. They told me, 
They told me I had to lose like 27 pounds. They want me to do it the morning of the fight. And I'm like, fuck y'all, no wow. way. And, and so I, I could tell they was like, really like we're trying to cheat for him. And then they they offered me, well, they offered me a thousand dollars or something stupid. I can't remember, a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars to get knocked out by Sakuraba or to, or to go to sleep, like not tap out. Like if he choked me or submit me, not tap out. So, right. so, so even if he got me in an arm bar, get my arm broken or some shit for a thousand, two thousand dollars. I said, are y'all crazy? I said, but I said, I said, what's the bonus if I knock him out? It was, it was the same price. I took that fight for ten thousand dollars. They said we give you ten thousand dollars if you if you um, if you win, but we give you twelve thousand dollars if you get knocked out. And I'm like, what? And they repeated it. I said, but what if I knock him out? How much money I'm gonna get? They said ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but how much? How much if I get knocked out? It was like twelve thousand dollars. All right. Nah, nah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be one hundred. I'm gonna be one hundred with you guys. That's that's back when I was like, I sacrificed everything. I left my um, hometown. I left my 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 family. You know, saying my baby sister. Yes. I left. I left my job, my car, everything in Memphis, and I. I just moved to California and started training to be a fighter. And um, so I needed them $10,000. Sure. Yeah, right. now, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I was, I was almost homeless. They they promoted it as such, too. I was standing in like a trailer with, with one uh, dude I worked security with. And I, I needed that money. And I was like, um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I always had honor when I fight, but I was thinking like, if they would offer me like 50000 or $100,000, I probably would have just <laughs> took a dive. Yeah. But it was only $2,000. And I was like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is back in a time when there was no uh, clear career path in fight. Right. Yeah. I was doing it to make ends meet. Yeah. Right. And Japan was a place with such a rich tradition of combat sport. Um, That's why, like, so when I started working a lot in Japan and pro wrestling, um, I just found it really interesting in that way because there were all of these worked shoot um, attempts at federations, whether that be um, shit. Some of the names are escaping me right now, but like Pancrase. Oh yeah. Um, and th- these were like um, all the way down to like the look of the fighters so like i think in pro wrestling now you get a lot of people wearing kick pads when i was a kid growing up everybody wore pro wrestling boots like hulk hogan nobody fucking wore kick pads but i think the influence of shoot fighting in japan kind of ushered in and then ken shamrock was the first one i think on uh, american pro wrestling who had that look all these other people have adopted it but that to me was always just like the quintessential like the 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 traditional japanese shoot fighting look not that the look matters but just that was they they wanted some sort of pro wrestling-esque combat sport um and yeah that that picked it up pretty quickly how blurry they would make that line and like a lot of the guys that i worked with in new japan um, I worked with Sakuraba. Um, you know, they they had works and shoots, and nobody ever really knew. Where, like in this country, you do one worked fight, and it's out there in the public and open. Like you're not fighting again. And what you know, it's a different. Um, it's like a different culture. Like in America, it's all about who's the best fighter, who's the champion. 
but in Japan back in those days, it was all about entertainment. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They 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 didn't they didn't care. That's that's the first thing they taught me when I yeah. went out there. And I, I, I and I never forget Gary Goodrich used to always tell me, you know, um, because we shared locker room sometimes. And me and Gary Goodrich, we got we got really close to each other. And he was like he was like Rampage is just a show, just all about entertainment. Yeah. So he said go out there and and have fun and make your money. It's all about it's all about entertainment. And so they was they was really on the inside good with with the people at Pride. So. Maybe sometimes Gary Goodrich, maybe sometimes his fights, you know, maybe he, you know what I'm saying? It was a script where he had, I don't know, I can't confirm that, but Gary Goodrich, you know, he fought with his heart out. And um, yeah, he went over to K1 and stuff. That's why he has brain damage. So I don't know if he was doing works or anything, but he told me it was all about entertainment. And I took it as, as if, if I lose, don't, don't beat myself up. Cause you know, right. long time go out there and, and entertaining people. But, um, you know, I I don't have any loyalties and stuff to, to to pride and stuff, so I don't I don't I don't care about right. you know, what I what I tell you guys. But um, I can tell you this: I I I do like the aspect that they brought that it was all about entertainment, and that that's what made me the person I am when I came back to fight in America. Because you know, even though I wanted to be champion and stuff like that, but I still wanted to entertain the fans first. Yeah. And well, and I to me, and it's obviously because I'm probably biased to the industry, but like having been in pro wrestling myself, like that's really kind of pro wrestling 101 is to create um, some people call it a gimmick, some people call it a persona, a character, but it's something more than just hey, yeah, I go out there and I, I'm good at punching someone in the face, right? Right? A lot of fighters don't really understand that. And when it comes to MMA, it's like a lot of egos. But what I think it is, I think it's their buddies and, they, and, and getting their head or something. And people are too, um, they're too afraid or too shy, too scared to to have a persona about themselves. But they wear like they gonna get made fun of if they if they lose. I can I can honestly understand that and feel that because um, I don't think if like you know Rampage was my name when I was a kid and I I, I, I wore the chain back in. Um, High school, I was wearing since high school, and I used to howl and do all this shit. I think that if I wasn't already doing that shit, I probably would be like those guys. I would just show up to fight. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to be a character. But I grew up um, a big pro wrestling fan, and I, I understood that I always wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was a kid. You know, from Memphis, pro wrestling was really yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett. The Moon Dogs, you know. Oh wow! I used to watch Un the Undertaker when his name was the Ma the uh the um the Master of Pain. Yes, I heard yeah. you talk about that. And then yeah, yeah. I used to yeah, I used to watch I used to watch all those guys back in the day, and now I used to want to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. So that, that's why that's why my personality is the way it is. I just love entertainment fans. Yeah. Well, you can see that. I mean, even even you know, in the interviews and whatnot that you do, like you're you're an open book, and I think that that one that's refreshing, especially in today's day and age when, you know, shit, they're just looking for a reason to cancel a, a guy, um, and and then two, um, you know, that to me, it's not gimmicky. It's not like okay, well, that's what I'm gonna try to perpetuate this thing. It was just. No, I'm a kind of a, a character, and so I'm gonna give you that because because I'm just giving you me. Right. right. And, and I don't yeah. think 
not difficult to, you know, yeah, just turn it up a little bit or, you know, make it visible. And um, I think that that's always kind of what, what you, uh, you did. Yeah, I think some some fighters are aware that uh, the fans are not going to like it. But the one one problem one problem about MMA that pro wrestling don't have is that uh, most fighters want to be loved and liked by everybody. They want everybody to be their fan. But some people is not going to like you. But in, in, in pro wrestling, some guys are the good guys. Some guys are the heels. You know. Yeah. And but uh, MMA fans, they don't know. I remember um, when I was training with. I think Michael Bisping, like he, it really bothered him when some people didn't like him. I was like, yeah. Mike, I like Michael, like they still gonna pay to watch you fight, brother. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, what I'm saying, don't worry about that. Don't, don't have such hard feelings about it. The money's green either way. You know that that doesn't the color of that doesn't change. Mm. And to be honest, most people, I feel like. um, and again, this could be because of my time in pro wrestling, but most people tend to shade one way or the other, like just in their, you know, regular human personality. Some people are a little bit more heel and some people are more, more, you know, baby face, more yeah, good yeah, guy. Yeah. And it's just kind of, I don't think anybody is truly like, um, you know, good or bad. We all have a combination of them, but um, well, well, you how uh, Hogan proved that because I remember when he went over to the bad side, they kind of they kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, Hogan was the man. Then he went over to the bad side. Like, you know, I always I always try to be like the good guy. You know, I'm like, I can't root for the bad guys, but I love Hulk Hogan. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all y'all know what I'm talking about when he went over. Oh yeah. To the bad oh, yeah. NWO, yeah, 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 hell yeah. I met, yeah. I met, I met Hulk Hogan um, one time at um, TNA. Okay, cool, cool guy, man. I love that guy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've met Hogan, but I've not really uh, talked too much to him. Yeah, we had a little, we had a little conversation. I I liked him. He was cool. Yeah, well, I mean, if you were my you know, age bracket, like you, you know, you were probably a Hulkamaniac. Yeah. Oh yeah. You used to rip the shirt off. <laughs> but when I was, when I was a kid, for some reason, my favorite wrestler was the ultimate warrior. I was, a, I was him two years, you know, I was, I was him for Halloween two years in a row. Like I never, never had the same costume two years in a row, but ultimate warrior I was in. I used to, I used to, um, Pick up my friends. I was always bigger than all my friends. I used to bench press them. I'm a kid. <laughs> bench press them. Bench press them kids. Throwing this shit. I used to love. I used to love it. I used to love that man. I was. I was one of his biggest fans. I would have to say that every guest that we have had on our podcast, when we talk about pro wrestling when they were a kid, was an Ultimate Warrior fan. Yeah, he he was the man. Yeah, we've had a few, which is kind of crazy to think because. You know, as a as a kid growing up, I was a fan too. And then you get into wrestling as a career, and you start to like, you know, and I, people have their opinions. They are what they are. But like from a, a in ring standpoint, what a difficult person to work with. It is has been said about um, you know, and I don't want to speak ill of the deceased, but. Um, Within the industry, it's it's generally pretty universal that people are like, yeah, he was fucking awful to deal with. Like, really? Yeah, because he was limited in his um, 
agility and whatnot that you would you would say as as an athlete he was very muscle bound um and i you know he got such a push immediately because he was over with with the fans and rightfully so that i think he got put in a lot of scenarios with guys that had been doing it you know 10 20 years and they have to put him over and he's not even necessarily polite about you know, the way he talks to them and whatnot. So it kind of gave him a little bit of a bad reputation. Oh yeah. That's the, yeah, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. 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 You don't imagine. So, so teach me this. So, um, yes, sir. Pro, pro wrestling is, is scripted. Yep. And so the one, sometimes when, when you have to lose, is that like, do, do the, do the guys like really hate that or, or is that something that, is that something that, oh, yeah. Some people fucking I okay, so this person will r- remain nameless. Um, but he was the um champion of the company that I was working for at the time. And um that night, you know, he he had known, you know, he had a, a match, but he found out that night that he was doing the job, that he was actually dropping his title. And uh he went to the other side of the arena, sat in a locker room by himself all day like didn't talk to anybody was like completely what we would call boo-boo face you know because you, you walk past him you just saw it written all over his face and it was like dude you realize that when you won that like you didn't actually win it you know like you didn't somebody decided that it was your turn you know? yes did, 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 it, did he take it as like a demotion or some shit yeah, and I think some people, I guess in the industry, uh, Rampage, we, we call it like you just start believing your own like bullshit, your own headlines. And, and at the end of the day, it truly is. And I love pro wrestling. Don't get me wrong. I've been in it for over 20 years. But it really is. It's, it's all bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and I think a lot of it comes, too, from – and it's why the um, – it's such a, a – a, a, blase um feeling with it in japan is that it's like it's easy come easy go you know yeah, if yeah. It's to do the job like okay then i guess i'll do the job i i got a question you know um i tried to do some pro wrestling a little bit i was went over to uh, tna because yes, um i signed a deal with um paramount because they sweetened the deal by saying like okay we're going to teach you how to pro wrestle you can be a pro wrestler yeah and I was very excited about that, but then I kind of got disappointed when TNA they never they never trained me or nothing, and they didn't let me do much. The last thing that happened, they let Tito hit me in the head with a damn hammer, and I got I got no payback, nothing. I was so yeah. I was so I saw I was I was butthurt at that. It's like it wasn't like I was bleeding my own headline. I'm like, damn, you know, I want to get him back because right, I was playing myself. I went to the airport that day, and the fans was like. He's like, I can't believe you out of the hospital already. He's like, Tito, crack your skull. He's just a grown-ass man. Yeah. And I had to keep playing it off. I was like, yeah, man, I heal fast, bro. You know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, and I wanted to do more. So I got a question. I got this one girl that she, she's proud. She got big traps and she want to learn how to fight. What if I what if I can come up with a gimmick to where I'm like her manager or something. I might not be able to do the, the matches and stuff, but I can still be, you know, one of the guys in the forces or the fight and stuff. And I got a girl that's, that, that's out there wrestling and I'm like her, her friend or I'm her manager. I don't know how you do it. 
You think that'd be a good gimmick to get me back into um, pro wrestling? If pro wrestling's a, d- a direction you want to go, um, you more than anything, as long as you got the gift of gab, and you have that rampage. So, uh, especially given like the credibility that you have behind you, it, it, some of it will depend too on the talent level of of the girl and how quickly she picks it up and. Because they didn't train you, I will say this, because I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, like I've done martial arts since I was a kid, too. And what I feel like I've developed over the years is this odd skill set that really applies to nowhere else in life, but to (laughs) like fake martial arts without it looking like shit. Um, because I've made it applicable to pro wrestling. And like, that's one of the things I think that a lot of people where, where things get sticky is like, you get people that come over from MMA, um, and they don't establish enough pro wrestling. They don't learn how to, how to work enough. Um, and vice versa. Then you have the wrestlers in Japan, the pro wrestlers that go over and they shoot and they get their fucking ass handed to them. And uh, that's because the shit's real. Like, the guy's not out there cooperating with you. Um, but, yeah, I, to answer your question, how how old is the uh, the girl? The girl's, the girl's young, 21. And, okay, you know. young is good. Young is good because pro wrestling generally takes some time. I, In sure. my opinion, learning how to pro wrestle like there's only so much expediting of the process that that is possible. Like there's a certain amount of reps that you just got to put in until it feels comfortable. Yeah. You know? Um, and those reps are in front of a crowd and that can be a crowd of 10,000. It can be a crowd of fucking 10, you know, cause you start on the Indies. Um, and I'm sure like you can relate a little bit to like the early uh, fighting scene. You know, you're not, you're fighting in fucking Knights of Columbus and, um, you know, bars and God knows where. Um, and it's in, in front of a few hundred people, but it's still an audience and it, it gets you reps and it teaches you how to. So like you in, in the scenario you described to me, like you would be the mouthpiece. So take a look at like the best example I could show you in modern day pro wrestling is the bloodline uh which is part of the group that roman reigns is with in wwe there's a guy by the name of paul Heyman that is with paul Heyman is the mouthpiece paul Heyman does 90 percent of the talking and it's not to say that roman or the other people in there uh can't talk but it's just that that paul is so good at it like that would kind of be your role with this girl is that like you would just the the spiel would be yours, but it would represent her. Yeah, that, yeah, but I want to do some physical stuff as well. But I just, I'm my body too beat up. I can't do like full matches and you know be jumping off ropes and all this shit. But I can still like do some stuff. I still like picking people up and slamming them and and all sure. that. Shit. And you know, I could take some bumps and all that stuff. But I just can't do like full right full matches and stuff. I don't, I don't think it's because of my knees. I think. Well, more than anything, you would just have to learn how to take a good bump because learning how to take first is always like the way in, especially in the beginning, because your learning curve is going to be there. So like you're going to be 
for lack of a better term, more defensive than offensive in the beginning while you're like getting your reps, you know? Um, so I got an idea. I, oh, yeah, I got an idea. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we, oh, we, can settle, we can settle all this. We got to hook you up with Rampage because you do seminars. <laughs> or you can teach the man instead of explain to him over this podcast. You can exp- you can teach him hands on. Yeah, yeah. Where's, where's the I, seminar? I I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to it. Rampage, if you want to learn some pro wrestling, fuck. Where's where, where, where <laughs> in California? Where, where in California are you? I'm in California now, but I live in Ormond Beach, Florida. Oh shit, you don't know the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a tough. Um, geographical fix but so another guy so uh josh barnett yeah you know josh well or oh yeah he's my brother okay josh is you know his ability as a a a catch wrestler and and mixed martial artist is rivaled only by his ability as a pro wrestler like for a guy that's pretty much dabbled in pro wrestling but always been you know on the shoot side of it like he's a much better pro wrestler than he's supposed to be for the amount of time he's been in you know um and i think some of that too goes back to the fact that his understanding of catch wrestling and everything is so uh advanced that you know i mean that's where pro wrestling comes from it it comes from from the the catch wrestling that was done you know 100 years ago um that eventually the promoters got to a point where they're like, okay, well, George Hackenschmidt versus uh, Luthez is it takes fucking two hours. And to be honest, they're so good. It's a stalemate. Like nobody's entertained. Nobody's coming back to see more. So what if we pay one guy more money to take the dive? And then that's the same shit you saw in pride. Yeah. You know? And it's so, and it's interesting to me too, the way that like American fans want everything to be so pure and so like, you know, know that, that my athlete would not take a dive, et cetera. I'll say this. It seems to me like almost everything's got a little bit of a fucking work to it. I can say this. I know in the UFC, they they don't take dives. They don't do the works. Yeah. For sure. That no nobody's nobody's taking a dive. Sometimes I kind of feel like the promoters have who they want to win. Yeah, they, they'll tell the referee like, if you can stop this fight, do it. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how I feel. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's 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 my own personal feeling. Anyway. I only think more along the lines, and I have no experience with the UFC or anything, but I I think just in the way that matchmaking is done. Um, especially, you know, in boxing and stuff over the years, like favorable matchups are put together and sold to the public like they're not quite as favorable right. one person as the other. But in, in a uh, on a, a, a fractioned scale, it's kind of like pro wrestling in that. Yeah. OK, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I just I feel what you're saying. I just feel like sometimes and like. Even Bellator in any promotion in America, I don't feel like fighters are like taking money dives. I feel like right. sometimes the promoter can have the judges or the referees like in their pocket because I don't think judges and referees get paid that much. So, no. 
So it would, you know, you know what, what kind of, you know, think about everybody's not like an honorable person. Like that, I don't know what the what it is. It's just my own like opinion. I think that they can be bought. Like if you can give the decision to this guy, if you can stop the, if this guy get in any trouble, and you yeah. can stop the fight like a fast. You know, you seen fast stoppages. You know, you seen you seen bad decisions. Like what 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 caused those? Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting to hear you say rampage because. It's something that I'm sure people have thought about, but unless you've actually done it, like it's not going to occur to you. You know, you've seen it from a side where like you can come, you can draw that conclusion and come up with that theory. Like where well, I'm going to tell you, when I fought with Sean Evans, it was a real tough fight for me because I had just come off a movie set for six months or more. And I couldn't train for those six months because I had tattoos all me fix so i couldn't i couldn't train i couldn't even um bust a sweat i had a wig on for the first uh two three months and so i go right into a training camp i get hurt in the training camp on the day where the ufc camera crew was there uh -huh. and i never talked about me i never talked about any of my injuries i go i get in the fight rashad evans is punching my injury punching my knee i never oh, wow. seen anybody never seen anybody uh -huh. do that he's punching my knee and then and then um I got him down on the ground and I'm punching him out and that's when the referee normally break comes in to stop the fight, but but he didn't. I gas out. You know, so that, that's when they normally stop the fight. MMA is all about safety. That's why it's, it's safety yeah. in boxing and everything. And and I think the referee could have stopped the fight right there when when I when I um was having him on the ground, ground and pounding, but I ended up losing to decision. But the thing that got me is he knew I was injured and the only yeah. people the only people outside of my gym that knew it was a camera crew. Oh shit! So yes, he was a favorite because real talk, uh, Dana White did not did not like me. That's what, that was the beginning of the end of Dana White's and, and my relationship because I took a movie over fighting him in my hometown, and um, that's when me and Dana White first started feuding. So I know that Rashad was the favorite, and and that's what started making me thinking like. He could have paid this referee to like, you know, like, don't stop this fight, right? If you know, keep this fight going. If he's in trouble, but if Rampage is in trouble, stop the fight. Yeah. No, yeah. I can. I just what that's what I feel. I don't. I don't have no proof or nothing. I just feel like that sometimes that promoters can do that. Yeah. I. I. Uh, I. I see it. I. I think that you you do end up with and and it's whether it be pro wrestling or or mma or or boxing or whatnot like if somebody that's in a, you know we'll say for lack of a better term promoter whether it be dana white or vince mcmahon or tony khan or whoever the fuck who they like who they don't like you know that it's it, it's human nature to favor somebody that for whatever reason uh, yeah, I, I agree with 100%, but but what people don't understand, like in MMA, I know it's different for pro wrestling, but MMA, is, it's like those losses hunt us for, for the rest of our life. Like you'd be in the shower 10 years later, I'm like, fuck, I should have won that fight. You know what I'm saying? You'd be in the bed, like sleeping, and you just, it, you, you, you just, I don't know where you just remember how, that you lost this fight by decision or you felt like, like, you know what hunts me? This hunts me for the rest of my life. It hunts me. All the time, my my first time fighting Vanderlei Silva 
uh, in the tournament. It was 45 minutes after I had uh, fought Chuck. And, yeah. I'm fight, and I'm fighting Vandalay, and I'm beating him up on the ground, and and Pride stands me up after like three seconds of like no action. Right. You, you count. They stand me up, and then after that, I I get I get um I get kneed in the face like 15 times. But the, here's the backstory to that. When the reason why they stood me up, this hurts me. The reason why they stood me up is because Chuck Liddell coming from the UFC. Coming to Pride, Dana White and the Saka Kibara son, they made they made the um a, a bet, two hundred fifty thousand dollars that Chuck was going to beat me, and, and um so it was a lot riding on it. Uh, Pride pulled me back days and said, "Look, you want to show the world that Pride fighters are the best, so we're going to need you to fuck up Chuck. We're going to need you to beat the shit out of him." And I'm like, I'm like, look here, man. Y'all coming to me like fuck up this guy Chuck. Like, what's in it for me? Like, you know, what's what's extra? What you gonna do extra for me? I said, I gotta fight Vanley Silva. And he and Vanley gotta fight some damn judo guy in some pajamas. Right. Like the fucking one of the baddest men on the planet. Then fight the other bad, baddest dude on the planet. Like, what you guys right. gonna do? Y'all gonna give me a fucking extra two hundred fifty thousand dollars or what what you gonna do? They right. was like, we they're like, we want you to represent fucking, fucking pride. And and uh, I said, all right, fuck it, fuck it. I'm gonna fuck Chuck up, but y'all better take care of me. But but now now my whole game plan with Vanellay has changed. It's like, oh, what's your game plan? I didn't, I wasn't thinking. I didn't think that they wanted Vanellay to win. I was like, I'm gonna have to take him down the ground and pound him and um and grind out, grind out, uh, get him to um tap out, punch him, or you know win by decision. Yeah. So they knew my game plan with. With with Mandalay. I I did what I said. I fucked up Chuck. They threw in the towel. I made them throw in the towel with Chuck. I right. did what the fuck they said. And then I was doing my game plan with with Mandalay. I took him down. Go back and watch that fight. Yeah. I took, I took him down and I was grounding pounding. I was you know winning the fight by ground and pound, and they stood me up. So that that like, if if I would have won, if I would have won that fight, I would have won that tournament. I would have been the youngest champion in MMA. And I was went down to history as beating two of the baddest men on the planet in the same fucking day. So they they robbed they robbed me of that, and that hunts me for the rest of my life. So it's I think it's fucked up if there is a thing where a promoter can alter a, a referee's decision or or a, um, judge's decision. Just like just like my friend, my coach's son, AJ McKee, was undefeated. And he beat he beat this he beat the champion. No no disrespect to the champion. He beat him, knocked him out, submitted him first round the first time. They rematched, and he was a champion now. Yeah. And he lost a a a, a decision, a unanimous decision to the to the former champion when yeah. he did enough to win. Right. And they took the belt from him. This undefeated kid. That's fucked. And he did an, and you gotta beat the champ to beat right. the champ. Beat the That's champ. How, and that's how I lost my belt to Forrest, to Forrest Griffin. I lost my belt yeah. like that. And it, people was confused, like, how in the fuck Forrest win that fight? You know what yeah. I'm saying? supposed to be decisive. Right. If you, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, Rampage, I think that's one of those, like, kind of unwritten rules. And so it falls sometimes into that gray area. And it's like, you know, it should be black and white, but it, you know, a lot of times it isn't, and that I was I was black and Forrest was white. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <epic> black? <laughs> I'm just you know to tell you. Uh, but but you know my point is like 
you know, that I wish that um, it wasn't like that. Like, I, I wish that people would understand that, you know, like, I wish the M MMA fans would understand a little bit about our feelings. Because if we lose, they coming right to you on your social media, talking shit to you and yeah. dogging you out. Like, it's it's different. If it's pro wrestling, I would give a fuck. I would just go along with it. Because, but it's like, it's tough. It's like, it, it really, it really hunts you, and people just don't understand. Like we, we, we're human beings. We, we have feelings. Like they, they say you're a bum. You're, you has been. You suck. You know, like hey. it's, it's, it's yeah. just, you know, it's part of it. But when you feel like you've been robbed, or you feel like you know, it could have been a different outcome. It just, it just hunts you for the rest of your life. I'm sure. And while on that, you're, you're putting like you're the man in the arena, you know, and and that's the. Um, the quote explains how the man in the arena is is the one who's earned the right for his opinion to be heard. These other people that the spectators, the ones that are on the sideline and they're not risking anything, they're, you know, armchair quarterback in this thing. They they don't have a right. I'm not saying you don't have a right to have an opinion, but keep it the fuck to yourself. Like it's, it's your opinion. Let it just be that because these people, these fighters, these uh, athletes, whatever, they're going out and they're putting their performance out there to be judged. Um, and it's just unfortunate that people will forget so quickly that like, yeah, that's another human being. That's somebody's father. That's somebody's son. Right. Right. Daughter, yeah, I, I put I put my life on the line to entertain you, and just because I lose, you want to come talk shit to me. But in Japan, it's a whole different story. That's why I love fighting over there. It's a whole different story. Like, they don't care if you win or lose, as long as you fight with with heart, as long as you fight with the samurai spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so they they didn't care. I remember my first fight there, I lost, but I gained so many fans because they loved where I fight and they, they saw that I didn't, that I didn't give up. Even though I got tapped out, I, you know, tapping out is giving up, but I don't believe in um, letting somebody like choke me to uh, be unconscious. I don't trust people. I have trust issues. Right. I don't trust that the referee going to let them keep punching me or whatnot, you know? Sure. You know, I came into MMA at a different time. It wasn't many black people in MMA when I first came, you know what I'm saying? Especially where I'm from and stuff like that. I hate to I hate to go there, but it's it's America. It's real, you know. what I'm saying we, you know, we have like we have different things that you that we like you know, like worry about from because of your different backgrounds. You know, what I'm saying you guys, you guys may may not um, like say for instance, you guys can go to a corner store and not not have not worry about certain things. You worry about getting robbed by somebody or somebody holding the corner store like. I go to the corner store and I come back. I I got I be watching the police. You know, so yeah. I, worry, I worry about them fucking with me. So it's just different cultures, you know what I'm saying? Sure. What you worry about. So when I came to MMA, I was like, I'm looking around, I was like, well, black folk at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was 20, 22 years ago. Like, yeah. You didn't see me and then I'm like, I ain't letting nobody choke me the fuck out. I'm tapping out. Somebody <laughs> get me in the chokehold, I'm tapping out. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So th th what are your thoughts then now about MMA kind of growing the way that it has and certainly a lot more black folk are in MMA and doing yeah. fucking big things? Yeah, you know, um, it wasn't, back in the day, it wasn't a lot of black people because I think most black people was playing football and basketball sure. and, 
and 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 even though uh boxing has been dying down i think most black people was going over there but now it's like it's everybody it's all it's it's grown around the world everybody we got we got korean zombies we got oh, we, got china, we got china jumping on board and you know yeah. we, got, we got now we got the first uh mexican champion yeah yeah it's is uh is it's good like it's so diverse and the sport yeah. has really surprised me how far far it grown it doesn't even make sense anymore when i when i watch something because i'm a i'm a big fan i've i've been doing martial arts my whole life rampage so like i just i love it and to see i mean the the technicality of some of even like the early prelim fights at this point it's it's just it doesn't make sense Right. But I think it, I think what you're seeing is the evolution of people, um, you know, not being the boxer who's learning how to wrestle or the wrestler who's learning how to kick. Right. You're now these are the the kids that were 10 years old that when they started training it was MMA, it was mixed martial arts. Right. So right. they yeah. everything. Yeah, MMA is going to evolve into being its own martial art. Yes. You know? You know, the first person to, to even think of to do something like this was Bruce Lee, right? And he got ridiculed for it, you know? But yeah. now, MMA, I said the next 10, in like 10 years, like they already said it now, like, what do you do? I train MMA. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you don't, you don't say it like, oh, I train kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Right. Like, I, I do MMA. So MMA is going to be its own martial arts. I can't wait for it to be in the Olympics. I'm going to um, keep having kids because my youngest kid is, is um, 16. <laughs> I'm gonna keep having kids. So I have have a young one up and, and put him in the Olympics. Cause I got a 22 year old son that's fighting. He's undefeated right now. He's training with Antonio McKee, but he just I just, I just don't think he wanted as bad because he like yeah. his dis his discipline is not there. Okay. He told, he told me he I want to go pro. I wanna, I'm like man, you only got like four fights. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I went pro. I went pro after my second uh amateur fight but it was different back then no, yeah very people wasn't as, yeah people weren't as uh as well run i said man you got to get at least 10 mma fights yeah and, and now he wants to go 55 but he walks around like 183 i was like he's been fighting in 170 in amateur he said yeah but i want to go to 55 I'm like well show me do it yeah so, so he like i never want to push my my kids into fighting but I was proud of him when he said he wanted to be a fighter. So I was like, okay, let me get yeah. behind him, help him undo it. But then now I'm like, I want to kick him in his ass because he, <laughs> you know, he don't want to, he don't want to, you know, get disciplined. So I'm gonna have a bunch of more kids and see. <laughs> I'm not gonna push him into MMA. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take him around it. If they decide they want to fight, then I'm gonna keep them little rampage Jacksons coming out, making babies. <laughs> I'm keep making babies. Okay, I hope, it, I hope it pay off because child support expensive as fuck. <laughs> I ain't say hey, I ain't say I was gonna raise these babies. I'm joking. No boy. No boy. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, factory. You're a baby I, baby making factory. Yeah, I, I raised I raised all my kids. The people don't know this about me, but when I was fighting in Japan, I was actually a single dad. With, wow. with, with, yeah, with my with my oldest son. He's twenty three. And I was a single dad with him. And then when I then I got my son that is twenty two. Now I got him when he was six. Mm -hmm. So I was single, single dad with two boys and, and trying to fight and wow. yeah. single dad. Yeah. Yeah. Now you had you had mentioned oh, uh, earlier that uh, the the wedge that drove that was driven between you and Dana White was uh, was the movie role that you took. Would that be the uh, the infamous A team role? Would that be yeah, yeah. Because um, 
By the way, a highly underrated movie. I'm oh, thank you. Thank it was, that's why well, I just watched it this past week. It's a great movie. Thank you. Thank you. That movie just had bad timing. It just came at the wrong time. I was, I've been working. Yeah, I've been working on doing that movie for it was like years in the making, and then when they finally had to schedule and make it, they couldn't reschedule for me. I wasn't a big star. Liam Neeson, I think that's who they was waiting on. You know, him and Bradley Cooper, their schedules. Like that's what that's what the biggest problem there was with a lot of movies, like the actors' schedules, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta fight. They was like, man, you gotta do this role, or or, or we're gonna pick somebody else. It was right. the hardest decision ever because I was gonna fight. I, I did not like Rashad Evans at this time. I'm gonna fight like this yeah. guy I really, really didn't like in my hometown in Memphis, and 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 UFC knew it was gonna be like a big thing. I think they was, you know, they go to your hometown, so at first they was kind of like going for me, right? Was that after the season of tough? Yeah, it was after the season's tough, so it was going to be big. They said, I, "I understand why Dana White was upset." You know, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not faulting Dana for, uh, for being upset about that because he said they they lost a lot of money on that because, you know, they were promoting all this all this stuff. You know, but it's still, still the pay per view really did uh, the, the pay per view still did really good. We did over a million buys mm-hmm. for, for that, but it probably would have been bigger if I would have. You know, saying took the fight instead of the movie. You know, and um, I can tell now Dana's still. Um, every time we talk, every time, every time I do talk to him, he, he still brings up the A team, and I know what I know what it is. He he, he says good things about it. He right. says good things. He said, but I understand why 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 um why Dana was upset with me about that because um uh you know some people just. Yeah, but I, I I was I was in the wrong. I chose the movie over over my day job, but yeah, it was just like I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Like this is a weird thing about me. This is a weird thing about me. I'm not a big fan of anything. I never really been a big fan of anything. Like I told you, I was yeah. a fan of, like Ultimate Fighter. And, I mean, the Ultimate Warrior and all this stuff when I was a kid. But yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't like the you know fan where I had posters and stuff like that and like sure. knew all their stats and, and knew everything. I never been a big fan of anybody like that. But Mr. T, I was. Oh, like, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Mr. T, like, if I was going to be a big fan of anybody, a diehard fan, like, I always wanted his van. I still didn't have like, that many posters and stuff of him, but I had, like, different things. But yeah. I, I, I don't know what, what my problem is. I, maybe I'm a weirdo. I, I don't know how to be a fan. But I really, but I really liked him. And so yeah. I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I remember my childhood with my dad. We used to, uh, you know, sit there and watch the A-Team together. Yeah, and, and then years years <laughs> later, my, my dad turned to alcohol and stuff, and he wasn't there anymore. But but I I, I was like, I'm gonna do this movie to like remember the good times with, with my dad was, was there. Yeah. And, you know, and later on, and like my dad, he changed his life around, and he and he um my dad was a big Mr. T fan, uh, 18 fan, and he came on a movie set. And, oh wow! Uh, my dad's a good guy now. He don't drink. He don't smoke cigarettes. Anymore. He's a good man, right? And good, he, for uh, good for him. Oh man, he came he came on a set. And I saw his eyes. He was like, he couldn't believe it. He was like so right. happy. So, oh, that's and awesome. that was that was worth it for me right then and there. Yeah. That was worth it that my you know my dad could like you know see something that he never saw. And like and it was nostalgic for him to be around eighteen and eighteen van. He I, I got eighteen van and my dad took it from me. He got it right now. And then. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> I mean that feels the deal, my friend. Like there's no you made the right decision. Yeah, you know you made the right decision. Um, that, that to me is, is worth 
the price of admission, so to speak. Like, for sure, you made the right decision. Yeah, here's another secret. Uh, people always give, give me, like, oh, you did a perfect job as BA. You did a perfect job as BA. You know, because uh, most people thought I was going to try to act like Mr. T, but all I did was mix my personality with my dad's personality, and that's BA Baracus. That's when y'all, when y'all that's watch, awesome. When y'all watch well, talk- Huh? We we were talking about the movie before this, and I and I and I thought like from a a, a cameo sort of standpoint, like you, you know who else would fit the modern day like Mr. T? You know, like I grew up at a time <clears throat> knowing Mr. T and watching him go from Rocky Three to uh, professional wrestling, and then in WrestleMania, and he was this, you know, he was very pro wrestling even before he was in pro wrestling yeah he was a, oh, a gimmick that walked around life like that yeah he he was a special he was a special man did you ever see that the contest he did i guess when he got discovered the the bot the bouncer Tucked, yeah. you remember when everybody they had to punch that 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 that, that bag yes. you know, yeah and then they have to then they have to say something and everybody was going to trying to show how hard they could punch like boom and knock it down and, yeah. and whatever and, and mr t just went over there and he just like he said he just touched it. He just started talking like, oh, I, you know, I never saw that. I never saw that because I was too young, right? Yeah. Back later, I saw, I said, oh, that's why Mr. T got, I said, that's why he got so famous because he wasn't really like a trained actor. Right. He, he wasn't. I remember hearing that. He was that. just a personality. Right. And a jacked motherfucker. Holy yeah. shit. When I was a kid, <laughs> seeing that, so the Rocky Three training um, segments were always like they motivate the still to this day motivate me like nothing else and yeah. the t doing the pull-ups in the basement locker room looking thing with the water dripping and just the back ripped in a way that didn't look fucking human yeah um, those guys was in shape for that movie. I, I wanted they probably look like they trained for like a year to get in that type of shape hell yeah yeah we have a we have a guest another guest uh-oh He's got to turn his camera on, though. Does he? Did he know we were bringing him in? We just... They told me he was out. He's waiting to come on in. Rampage. Uh, yeah, I'm with you because this is this is news to there me. There he is, Harrison Rogers. <laughs> What's up, Rogers? What's up? I apologize. I was listening in the background in my office, and you know, with it being fight fight day in our event, I am driving back and forth. So hopefully, this isn't too uh, That's good. too crappy. The more yeah. the merry. I tell you guys, Harrison is the one of the hardest working promoters I ever uh, seen. I've been around a bunch of promoters. This guy is doing stuff that I've never seen other promoters do. I'm telling you, you guys pay attention. Well, to never seen promoters do that stuff. Bravo, Jeez. sir. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. So talk, sure. talk us up about this event tonight. Well, hold on. Before, no pressure, but what did you think of the A-team? And just forget the fact that Rampage is right there. <laughs> I feel so bad because so many people saw the original and, and they loved it. And they said that Rampage, you know, did did uh, Mr. T justice and all these things. I didn't see the original, so I feel bad that I, you know, I'm not that um, loyal fan that could compare it. But you know, obviously being a Rampage fan, I loved it. But uh, I wish I could talk from a deeper, a deeper uh, experience. It was, it was before Harrison's. It was before Harrison's time. Fair, <laughs> enough. Fair enough. 
Nothing wrong with that. Us old folk are over here. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, Harrison, what uh, what do we have um, for? It's tonight, correct? Yes. Yes, it's our inaugural um, UFL event. We've had, you know, several events for our our now feeder league which is called freedom fight night um but as we evolve to really know that we need to elevate our our status our capabilities our production our um audience we knew that we couldn't be a regional promotion anymore and that we needed to be a full league especially when we're offering medical health coverage shares in the company you know life insurance all these all these things it's hard to do that when you don't have exclusive talent that are committed to you for, you know, at least a year. Um, and so this is the first event for that league. And it's really fun to have some of our veterans of our feeder league now be on our bracket uh, for our, our main league, uh, United Fight League. So a lot of you know, a lot of uh, things riding on tonight's success, but I couldn't be more confident uh, in what we're what we're going to produce this, this this evening. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, I wish you all the luck in the world for this. I mean, so coming from a pro wrestling background, I'm very familiar with the independent contractor status. Um, so to hear that you're offering um, like an employee option to these people where they that fighters are going to have uh, benefits and in health insurance and life insurance. I mean, that's it's kind of a crazy concept. And I, I feel like it didn't get as much um, press as it has over the last like, I don't know, is it five or 10 years? Um, maybe even less, but now I think people are starting to realize like, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a flawed system. Totally. And I do think in the last six months, you know, whether it's with Francis Naganyu or uh, yeah. Luke Rockhold or some of these big names now finally able to rock the boat, you know, and, um, not worry so much about their relationships with the big promotions um it's been able to start this wave of of conversation that i think we're coming in right at the right time to right. show not only how important it is but that it's not impossible a lot of the promotions try to you know sidestep those demands by saying you know independent contractors you can't offer these benefits with because they're not employees or um, it's not sustainable financially or um, all these things that are very good excuses, you know, and they've, they've worked up to this point. I am excited to show that those excuses can no longer be the reason why people aren't providing it. You know, it's not prohibitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I can show those things. And really then it's up to the fighters to say, you know, obviously UFC is going to have the notoriety for a long time. They're the ones that people want to be the champion of because, you know, to UFC's credit, they are the pioneer. They are the the end-all, be-all. Um, but as fighters, you know, from the next, the younger generations that we 
foster in our feeder league with the am- amateur pro cards in our feeder league mm-hmm. when they get indoctrinated and, and fed into our ufl they have shares in the company that not only um you know do you get paid from your purse of your fights say you fight once you will get mailbox money every quarter or, or semi-annually whenever we do those uh shareholder distributions yeah forever and so it's like why wouldn't you want to keep fighting in the league that you right. own and uh by you know as we keep upping our purses and keep upping our our attractive of bigger name fighters the bigger audience will continue to get and then hopefully over many years that notoriety will be as big with us because we have the big names but it'll take a while to build that generation of evolution but we're committed to doing it that's awesome i mean if you're a fan of of fighting or any combat sports um or a a participant a fighter or whatever I i don't know how you can't at the very least applaud the effort you know, that you've, you've found the way to do it, um, you know, pass or fail, just the, the effort to, to go out and accomplish this in itself. Um, I just applaud you, sir. And I, I think that that's, Thank uh, you. it's amazing. And, and people really need to start seeing it for, for what it is. And, and that some of the, some of the paydays that exist um, in these different uh, forms of entertainment uh, they're only the guys only the guys at the very top are are making ends meet you know um and then there but the majority of fighters or um entertainers or participants or whatever they fall into that you know not high-end category and and so then they're struggling and then not only are they you know, barely making ends meet during the prime of their career, once they stop fighting, even that gets cut off. And so it's, it's hopefully, even though you were barely making ends meet, hopefully you were putting something away creatively investment wise to not be destitute when you're, and then, uh, and, or fight injured and broken for the rest of your life and hope that uh, your body doesn't just completely stop. But I am so excited to, because I just come from the business background. I don't come, I don't know how Rampage and Frank and Tito are still talking about fighting. I hurt as a 34-year-old dad of five. I'm like, <laughs> I try to pick up, you know, I try to pick up my youngest kid, and I'm like, ah, oh, so I can't. These guys are different humans than, than I am. Yeah. But yeah. I'm excited to hopefully show that you, when you have freakishly amazing talents like these gentlemen, how – you utilize them while you can to make money, but I can help with the kind of the mental structuring of their financial future for the long haul. And not just that these are fighters that are evolving and, and hopefully going to be our champions one day and, and soon. This is a, a window for you to use your amazing talents to make money, but you're going to be set up with a glorified pension plan, basically, that uh, until you know what you want to do post-career, you have mailbox money coming in. That's awesome. Nice. Rampage, is this why, like, it's kind of a no-brainer for you to be uh, a part of this? Is, is 
because oh, you've seen the other side of it, right? Oh yes. Yeah. As, as soon as um Harrison told me that his plan about the health insurance and life insurance, oh man, I was like, this this is a no brainer. This is this is what I wish was around when I was coming up. I want my son to be a part of this um this organization. Then he said he's gonna give fighters shares in the company. I was like, this motherfucker crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's unheard that's unheard of but then i started paying attention to what he was doing i started listening to him i was like this motherfucker a genius you know yeah. why yeah you know what I, I i figured it out he's 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 really smart with this one because if you own a piece you're gonna you're gonna treat it better than you yeah. you know what i'm saying you would if you just participate you know what i'm saying you know, you know, you know, people who who their daddy give them their first car. They don't take good. Yep. They don't take good care of it. They dog it out, whatever. But yeah. if, if they had to work to pay for that first car, they 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 treasure that car. They take better yeah. care of it. It's yeah. the same. It's the same concept with this. I I already see like the young fighters like promoting their energy drink and they doing they going above and beyond and they and they're and they're and they're um really promoting themselves and stuff like that. I see it already unfolding. And to echo and piggyback off of that, um, the whole ownership mentality is different. That when people who are fighters and are shareholders, when they this logo, I hope they kind of feel sacred of their ownership, their hard work and the sacrifice that they'll be like, if, you know, haters online or whatever are talking bad about it, they feel personally offended because they're like, that's my company. Right. You know, that's my bread and butter forever. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to fight back. And, and like Rampage said, all the assets that are owned by United Fight League are owned by all the shareholders, like our energy drinks that are going to be incredibly that's, successful yeah. in and in and out of the, of the sport. Like w my background in mental health care and, and other things, I'm so excited to merge these two worlds because these energy drinks are formulated to not only jack your body in, in energy energy and physically but your mind and uh, the clarity and the um awareness and the ability that you know to be alert and help funk uh, I, I don't want to go into everything it does because then we have a line that's kind of a mood um advocate of anti-depression anti-anxiety all these other great things those as those succeed it benefits all the fighters too, because our company, the United Fight League Corporation, owns all of these assets, and so people are going to be their own, you know, sponsors. Like they're like, why would why would I not be pushing this as hard as I can? Because this anyway, it, it, I'm glad Rampage sees the. I see it. In it. I see it. I see it. I didn't at first. I didn't at first. I was I was glad that you doing that that somebody stepped up and really showed that they cared for people and i know what type of person you are now by working with you for so long now i i, I know i know why you're doing all this because you, you know he's a good dude he just he's just sick of seeing people get screwed over and and you know what i'm saying i that's the type of person i would be if i was a, if i was a multi-billionaire or something like that i would be like one of those type of people to you know be like the big uncle come on let me help you and let me help you make money and you know you're not going to lose money helping people but right. you're gonna do it. But you're gonna do it. Do it right and do it smart. And, and I see what he's doing. And, I, and I'm. And I, I thank God for him because he's gonna change the sport. I think other promotions will have to uh, step up once he once he consider once he constantly grow. 
because he's he's new into this space, right? It's like at this at this level, it's like um, up and coming guys. You know, a lot of guys I see their records like four and oh, four and one. So right. it's not he's not competing with the UFC or nobody yet. But yeah. I think in a couple of years, who knows? He can be up yeah. there with Bellator and, and UFC and PFL. You know. Who knows? That's that's exactly it. But I, I think it's forcing. It's going to force change, and and that's a good thing. There, especially considering that how uh, lopsided and unfair that um, sort of uh, scale of balance is at the moment. Um, I, I think it that there needs to be change, and I think for the most part, people have talked about it now. But this is one of the first times I'm seeing somebody actually put some action behind those words and do something and Harrison, Harrison when he says I noticed when he says he's going to do something and he gets focused he, he does it I, I've, I've noticed that it's a lot of um fast talking stuff in this business I, I'm you know I'm the first one to say it like I've, I've I've been dealing with a lot of people over the 22 years I've been in the sport I've been ripped off by a lot of people and stuff sure. like that. so it's refreshing promoters yeah promoters every promoters managers are huh. Sponsored people, uh, so so many so many different stories, uh, horror stories. People ripping you off, and not only MMA fighters, all athletes go through that. Like managers and agents, yeah. we we go through that because if you think about it, most most athletes like we 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 probably didn't pay that much attention in school. We didn't go to, uh -huh. to um to you know business thing, and so you know you do like stupid business deals. But the most times I got ripped off wasn't. It wasn't due to my edu my education or lack of education. It was due to me trusting like the wrong person. They get close to you and like they yeah. become like your, they become like your friend, like a father figure or or like a brother or stuff like that, right? Then then they they outheart you. It's not like they outsmart you. So right. It's, re it's refreshing, uh, and I can't wait for the, all the fighters to to come and talk to Harrison and get to know him because most 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 fans don't know this, but your first fight when you are when you're a fighter, your first fight is with the promoter. That's your first fight. Your first fight is with the promoter. Before you even go anywhere near the cage, you gotta go to that promoter and, and fight for your for your purse. Like yeah. I'm worth I'm worth this much. And he's like, no, you don't worth this much. Like, no, I'm worth this much. But with Harrison, you don't you don't you don't that fight is not eliminated. So I'm so I'm excited to see how the uh, relationships with him and other fighters and stuff are are, are going to be. Yeah. Well, I can say for myself after this one conversation, I want to fight for Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Come I on. <laughs> I want to fight for Harrison, too. I mean, Harrison has <laughs> been talking about uh, me doing grudge matches because uh, I, I, I want to fight Titties because we were supposed to fight a long time ago and everything. I want to fight him. I want to. I want to. Um, oh, he was from Tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to fight him. I got a couple of other grudge matches. I owe Vandalay a rubber match. I want to do a boxing match uh, with Vandalay, like the rubber match, because we're, we're both two and two, right? Yeah. And then, and then um, my first loss ever was Marvin Eastman. He beat me, and then I came to UFC. I beat him. I oh. owe him. A, I owe him a rubber match. He hasn't fought in a while, so I don't know if he if he wants to uh, um, fight. So maybe he a kickboxer. So maybe me and him can do like a uh, yeah a, a kickboxing match or a boxing match. You know, I I, I just want to do like a, my own series of grudge matches, and, okay. and I want to help. I want to help UFL grow, right? So I, I want to do them there. So uh, rampage, and only because I just watched this fight uh, yesterday. 
Uh, it was you and Vanderlei from the UFC. Uh, you knocked him out with a left hook. And uh, one of the things I noticed, and, and I don't know if in your training you guys called it this or not, but one of your, like, go-to defenses is something that I would call answering the phone. Oh, yeah, I call it the cover and roll. Okay. And because it you you slipped his right hand with that, you know, what I would say is answer the phone, your cover and roll, and you came back with the hook and the, the cross missed him because he was already on his way to the yeah. game. But yeah, that, yeah. I, so I watched that and and I saw some of the same tactic that you did uh in the fight against Chuck in Pride. My question how much of that is just straight up involuntary it's repetition it's just yeah you 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 there's no conscious thought of okay i'm gonna slip this right hand and i'm gonna come back with a left hook and follow no, I, across I to, oh it's just muscle I have, to, no? No, I have to tell you that you have to you have to drill that over and over and over to get yeah. like you so 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 it will be second nature but if you don't if i don't drill it if i don't Cause I have trainers that don't. I have some trainers that don't believe me. I, I learned them from um, training with Colin Oyama when I was like, uh, you know, Team Oyama back in the day, and yes, he, he 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 was a genius at inventing that. And um, and I noticed like from years not training, I train other people. They don't they don't help you train that. So you have to drill that over and over with a buddy. You have to drill it over and over, and then when a fight comes, yeah, it becomes second nature. But you have to drill it. Yeah. Hours. Hours. All right. And, and, and that, that kept me from getting knocked out many a times. Well, you've confirmed my suspicions, sir. That's what I was thinking. And I figured that that would hopefully be your answer. And uh, you didn't point. Thank you. Well, well this has been awesome. Um, yeah. You and Harris. I think we lost Harrison, though. But we wish you guys good luck in the UFL. Um, hopefully we can do this again. You know, I know Tito and Fred Muir is also involved in this. So maybe we can get together and have a little another powwow. It it sounds to me like that uh, that that league is is uh, doing all the right things. So um, nothing but love for you guys, and nothing but uh, well wishes. Good luck, because this is this is something that that, that sort of change is is uh, is needed. I'm telling you, Harrison Rogers is what MMA needed. Good. Uh, oh, he's been, I hope he didn't. I hope, oh, he gets he gets shy when I when I talk good shit about him. I hope he didn't hear that. <laughs> Oh, good. We, I, 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 I miss him. Good. Yeah, yeah. We thought we thought you was gone. Yeah, we, we were just talking shit about you, sir. Yeah, we. Hey, I'll take. <laughs> I get a lot of it. We were about to we were about to sign off. I, I want you guys to know that um, it's going to be live on Rumble tonight, right, Harrison? Yep, live on Rumble for the prelims, and then the main card is is on the. I guess it's like the sister company of Rumbles, which is called Locals. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, please tune in and watch and like i was saying this is the inaugural event but this is this is what kicks it all off and what people see to know that we're we're the real deal and we're not looking back awesome awesome any of how we watch tonight is the prelims are on rumble yes yeah so if you just go to rumble.com we're okay. pretty much the only sporting event on that uh platform except yes. I get I guess slap <laughs> slap has now come over to rumble and so uh, I feel like selfish okay. I mean conceitedly <laughs> I feel like oh the UFC is trying to copy us no but 
Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I don't know if that's the case. So if you go to Rumble, because we're the only event, we're always right there on the front page. But if we're not, just you know, just type in United Fight League and we're live. Hell yeah, United Fight League. Okay, well, that's going to stay on the tip of my tongue. Um, this is certainly something that uh, I want to see. Um, and then furthermore, something that like I, I can't not support. It's, uh, it's just awesome. Thank you, man. Thank Thank you we, so we, need all, we need all the support we can get from the MMA community. Well, you got ours for sure. Thank Probably you. Whatever. All right. Hey, love you right. all. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Harrison, thank good you. night. Rampage, thank you for coming what, 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 on. Sir. Pleasure meeting you both. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Okay.